Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. And live, love, laugh. I think you're going to do that today. I'm so excited. I have Chaz Palmentieri of A Bronx Tale and movie star fame and so much more. He is actually traveling all over the country with his a Bronx Tale, the the one-man show of it. And he is also directing a one-man show from a very funny comedian by the name of Peter Fogel called Till Death Do Us Part, You First, which I, I laugh just saying the title. Both of them are coming on the show. We're going to hear all about what they're doing, their respective careers, and just how funny uh, Peter's new show is and where you can see it. Also, the same with Chaz Palmentier. He is a national treasure. So excited about that. We're also going to talk about uh, self-care with Massage. The CEO of Massage Envy is here talking about how good it is for your health. Also, sustainable jet fuel. We're going to talk about what the future is of all this uh, fuel we're going to be using in our jets. It's all coming up, plus good news stories on the way home. That's what we do here, and it's brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule, your way to get 10 servings per day in three and three capsules of both the fruits and the vegetables, 10 servings worth. There's no other products like it on the market. You will feel so very good when you take it, as I have been for, oh my goodness, over 12 years now. It has been just a a remarkable uh, thing for both myself and my family and my friends. Uh, everyone I know who's on it is so grateful for Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com is the website to order yours. And make sure if you do it over the phone or online, you use my name as the promo code, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, because then you're going to get 35% off and free shipping. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be back with Chaz Palmentieri and Peter Fogel. Don't go away. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I had the great pleasure a couple of years ago when the show first started of having, uh, really, I will say, a national treasure on my program, someone who has done so much in the world of Broadway and television and film and writing and you name it, even restaurants. Chaz Palmentieri is here today. And I'm so excited because uh, not only is he doing a, a brand new podcast, which is fabulous, but he is directing and doing the voiceover for someone that when he went to his show and saw him do his his one man show down in Florida, he said, I need to direct this sort of the same story as what happened to him when Robert De Niro saw him in 1988 do a Bronx tale. Chaz Palmentieri, Peter Fogel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled. Oh, it's nice to be here. Very appreciate that very much. I am so excited. I think I told you the last time you were here. I had I lived in New York for 41 years. I had not seen a Bronx tale. And finally, I was dating this guy, an Albanian with parents who were famous actors in Albania. But he had lived in Manhattan his whole life in the Bronx, and he had never seen a Broadway show. So for his birthday, I said, I'm going to take you to anything in the world you want to see. What do you want to see? He said, a Bronx tale. So I got to finally see it before I moved to the Midwest. And I tell you, I loved it so much. I had my Bronx tale cup from the theater with me on the boat the other day. And uh, really such a powerful, beautiful, beautiful show. And it it really just, I mean, it it took you, when I say obscurity at the time, 
you that Robert De Niro, De Niro found you, he had come to see your show and he just immediately said, this is a movie. This is a Broadway show. I'm going to direct it. And and that's how it all began for you. Correct, Chaz? Right. Yeah. He saw the show. I mean, everybody wanted to make it into a movie. But at that time in 1988, 89, they didn't want me. They wanted to put a star in the role. And I said, no, I'm going to play this part. I'm an actor. They said, yeah, but you're not a name. And so I refused. They offered me two fifty, five hundred, one million dollars. I still refused. Then Robert De Niro came in to see it, and he said, "Look, you should play Sonny. You should write it because it's your life. I'll direct it." He said, "And I will play your father." And that's how it happened. So, because uh-huh. of that, when he gave me that big break, I never forgot it. Uh, got that, and it's been thirty years now. And every time I see a young uh, a person doing a one person show, especially. And the, and I liked, and I really liked it when I saw Peters and I just thought we could take it to the next level. He was so funny and talented. I said, you know what? I said, I want to direct this thing. I want to be a voiceover in your piece. And, um, and, he, and we developed it and he just wrote these great things. And I just thought he was right on the money. He was a really successful comic and he just knew how to make people laugh. And, you know, and funny's funny. And, uh, we, you know, we worked on it and he's just terrific. And I, I just can't get over how, how much people laugh, rolling laughter. And well, it's, you know. as, as you and I always talk, it's the absurdities of love, relationships and marriage. It's just well, crazy. Right, Chaz? Let's tell people the name of your, your one man show that uh, Chaz Palmentieri is directing. It's hilarious. Even the title makes me laugh. I can't imagine what the whole show is going to do. Till so, what tell so part you first. Yeah, so till death do us part, you first. And get, I mean, we get seniors to the audience that, you know, elderly, I can assure you they look at each other, you first. So that's, and Cass says, I love the title, don't change it. Now let's work on it. And that's what we did. And I play over 20 characters. I play the women in my life. I play the men. I'm having conversations with myself between the woman and me, the argument. The show was based, it's very autobiographical because a woman did break up with me on Valentine's Day, a woman I was dating. And she said, uh, what are your intentions? I go, well, it's Valentine's Day. I thought dinner and a movie. That's not what she meant. What are our intentions of moving forward with our relationship where we're going to get married? So I said, I told Chad, you know, what happened? He goes, that's hysterical. I go, yeah, all the stories in the show, and Chaz can attest to it, are true. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. They've all, they're all true stories of the crazy romances that I have with these women and like Ch- well, Chaz will say, he, when he first saw it, he saw couples nudging each other, laughing and going, see, this is what you do to me. And that's why it's not only funny, but it hits a third level of resonation, of, of resonating with an audience that they go, this is our lives. It's craziness. And, 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 and boy, do we need this in our lives right now? Do we not? I mean, after the last couple of years that we've all had collectively to be able to go out and just laugh is is honest to goodness. It's worth it. It's it's a million bucks. Um, so, Chaz, interestingly enough, you played like 18 characters in a Bronx tale when when you wrote it for yourself, you were able right. to. To go flawlessly between these these incredible uh, characters in this show, it really takes a real actor to do that. Thank goodness you did not give in and you and you stayed oh. with it and you became because you are such like I said a national treasure. You are such an incredible character actor and somebody with such depth. And and now you must have seen the same thing in Peter. But it's funny yeah. because Peter 
Peter's a comedian. So yes, yes, he's a comedian. And it's different. I'm an actor. Peter's a real comedian, and so his jokes come boom, 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 boom. You know, and that's why I think people laugh. And what's great about uh, the show, uh, you know, until uh, death do his part, you first. Is it's not just for elderly people, old people, young people, uh, mature people. Whether you're divorced or getting divorced or separated or married or single, I've been married. 30 30 years, Peter's single all his life. So we just talk about life and about marriage and about dating. And it's really, we just laugh. I mean, Peter told me this one story. He said he sat down with this girl and the first date and the girl said to him, I mean, on the first date, do you imagine saying this? She goes, she goes, full disclosure. I just want you to know that uh, I am a suspect in my husband's, my ex-husband's murder, but I had nothing to do with it. Now, how do you say that to someone? <laughs> It's true story. Yeah. Yeah. I swear that is too much. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, a comedian looks at things. One of the things of of blessing of working with Chaz, because no one plays menacingly funny better than Chaz, but, and I'm not just patronizing because he's on the call, but he thinks like a comedian. So when we came up with bits, he just got it. He just, I go, man, he just gets it. I mean, it's not like, we're on the same wavelength. I would tell him stories that I went out with five women, every single one of them on a meet and greet had health concerns. This is no joke. One had fibromyalgia, two had autoimmune system disorder. Oh another God. had osteoporosis. One woman thought she had personality disorder. She <laughs> was diagnosed with having pre and post menopause at the same time. And I gave <laughs> take out a, a personal ad on the internet, internet saying wanted loving, nurturing woman whose blood work is in normal range. I, <laughs> It was, I can't meet a woman that's healthy. And again, I'm always, it's just true to life things that women get to a certain age. They have the, the, the pipes aren't working right. And I go, why should you on a date with me? And they tell you immediately, I, full disclosure, I have issues. Okay. Great meeting you. I, I don't know why they're meeting. And Chaz, oh my gosh. Chaz, I'm dying already. I can't believe I tell, it. But every time I tell Chaz this, he hugs his wife tighter. He hugs his wife tighter. That he, that he goes, thank God I'm not single at this time in my life. Right, Chaz? Oh, no, I, cu- I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. God bless you, Peter. I tell you, right. And you, you've been happily married to Gianna for, for many years. I, I know you have two kids. In fact, I met your son and you uh, when I was in Westchester w- with Westchester uh, Talk Radio. Yeah, and and I met Dante. you. Yes. yes. And your son, Dante. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you are like the quintessential real Italian star and actor. Your son has exactly the same quality, oh, but he my, sings like an angel. Oh, my gosh. Yes. My son, uh, he graduated Berkeley School of Music. Oh. Uh, he's out in L.A. making money. He's working, has a whole, he has a, a house in Beverly Hills. Uh, he's doing great. And uh, he's an actor and a singer-songwriter. God and a him. nice guy. He was a, a great nice guy. And guy. much better than his father. He's and a gr- da- star. Yeah. Yes. He's a star. My daughter uh, goes to the University of Michigan, and she's got the starring role in the big play there, which I'm going to go see. So oh, both God. my t- children are very talented. And, and quickly, before we get back to Peter, if anybody <laughs> wants to see my show, go to chazpalmentary.net. And you'll see, I'm doing the national tour all over the United States. And we're hoping that Peter will be doing that soon. Right, Pete? Yes. 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 Your mouth to God's ear. His kids are so gorgeous. It's like, 
they, they, they have a good gene pool they were waiting in. Apparently. They do, but like they're good people. Just, yeah. you know, it comes from good parents to be raised like that with beautiful hearts. Chaz, um, so you've got the one, the one man show you're touring with. I know you've got this podcast too. I heard you on with Sid Rosenberg the other day. I was at WABC yes. for 10 years before I moved back out here. And um, it, it sounds terrific, this podcast. Tell yeah, us about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a Chaz Palmetary show. It's a great podcast. I, In fact, I do a lot of... Uh, I, I do a lot of things, but old school, I have incredible guests. I had Billy Joel on. I had so many great people on my show. And it's just a great show. And if people want to turn to it, Chaz Palmetary Show. It's on YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple, everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, I love your your take on things, Chaz. You have a, a beautiful way of looking at life, full of common sense, but and and just like good old fashioned values, I I loved listening to you talk about that. So I mean, everything you're you're doing turns to gold. The one man show. Just tell us real quick before you leave, what is that? Is that a throw? Tell us about the one man show that you're traveling with, and then we're going to get back to Peter's. Well, no, the one man show that I'm doing is a Bronx Tale. Is the show? Oh, so you're traveling Broadway. with a Bronx Tale? Then. Yeah, I did the national tour years ago on Broadway. Now I'm back doing another tour of a Bronx tale and it's just selling out all over. Uh, All they have to do is go to chazpometary.net and you will see where I'll be. I mean, uh, the the shows coming up are all sold out. The one that's open will be, I'll be at the Paramount, the Paramount in, uh, in Huntington, Long Island, the Paramount theater will be doing, we'll be filming it there. So if you want to be famous, come and see the show. Uh, But I have to tell you, I'm talking about Peter, uh, Peter, you got to tell her before we go. Well, tell her where we're going to be. We're going to be at the Bedford yeah. Playhouse, well, right, Peter? I'm making my off-Broadway debut at the Triad Theater in New York City. Um, you can go to www.triadnyc.com, NYC, triadnyc.com, November 11th and 12th. And anyone listening, if you use code 1250 in the checkout, you get a 10% discount from Chaz and I to see the show there, but I'm also doing it at November 17th at the Bedford Playhouse with Gianna Palmenteri is actually producing it at the Bedford Playhouse. That's bedfordplayhouse.org. And we're really selling tickets, as you know, Chaz. I love the Bedford Playhouse. It's such a fabulous house. Thank and um, yeah, and so you can get it either off-Broadway, Peter Fogel's funny Funny, funny uh, show till death do us part. You first. That's happening in uh, at the Triad Theater in New York off Broadway, and then also going to the Bedford. I told Chaz before you leave. Um, I told Peter uh, where I am now in Northern Indiana after forty six years in New York or whatever that I was there. Um, we have this gorgeous, beautiful, historic landmark theater right in downtown where I live, Elkhart, Indiana. I'm gonna I'm gonna go talk to them today and see if we can't get both a Bronx Tale. And till death do us part, you oh, first there. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, yeah, no, tell them I'll be. Listen, I gotta run, but Peter, you, you go. On. Thank you so much. You're an angel. Much love to you. God bless, and and we'll tell everybody where to find you God when bless. you're gone. Thank okay, you. Thank, thank you. All right, wow. So Peter Fogel, what was it like when Chaz Palmentieri came up? Did you know he was coming to see you when you were in Florida doing your one man show? No. Um, give me one second here. Um, Actually, it was a friend of a friend told me a buddy's coming to see my sh- your show. Um, and um, I said, who? He goes, it's just a friend of mine. Just put a comp to me. I'm fine. It was a small theater, Lake Worth, Florida. And all of a sudden he walks in, Chaz. And I was in, oh, my God. That's <laughs> Palmentary. I mean, I know his movies. And then we met in the lobby. It was that magic night where the audience was 
you know, when you're small, intimate theater, the laughter just, you know, you know, what's it called? Bounces off the walls. He met me after the show and I shook his hand. I was trying to sell some merchandise and he, and he says, this show has a lot of potential. I go, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm looking for a director, not thinking that he would actually offer, but he said, I'm going to direct it. (gasps) Now the original version of the show, I had a, a Morgan Freeman as the voice of God, as my mentor, my conscience. He says, no, we're going to take out Morgan Freeman. I'm going to be your conscience. So it's going to be a show within a show. They're coming to see a show directed by Chaz Palminteri. But Chaz Palminteri, like I'm presenting the show to them as he would directed me, but he's in my head. So he's constantly prodding me, mentoring me, guiding me to make the right decision about women because I'm screwing up. I don't understand. It's very autobiographic. As much as Cologio in Bronx Tale, it's, I do have a fear of commitment, but I explain if people, if a woman says to me, if I'm dating her, why are you been single these whole lives, your whole life? I go, well, I wasn't long relationships. I was actually married once. Then it was annulled, but that's another story. But I say, if you come to the show, you'll understand why I'm single. And, <laughs> and I've had a few girls, my last girlfriend that came to the show, it, she's in the show. She doesn't know. That's the beauty of it. I do these. They don't see themselves. That's Good. That's the funny part. I go, you know, you don't recognize anything. No, I don't know what you're talking about. These women seem to have issues. Yeah, they all have the issues. Not you, of course. But <laughs> there must be oh other things talking about. You had another hit. Um, what was it? My mother is Italian. My father's Jewish, and I'm in therapy. Yeah, I, I I've been the national touring star for that. So that- I remember that. Yeah, and I never got to see it. I always wanted to. And um, but you just sound completely hilarious. I'm in stitches just listening now. I, I want to see the show. I've got to see the show for my audience in Connecticut and New York. You're going to be off Broadway the 11th and 12th at triad, triadnyc.com. Use, use the code code 12 one code code one two five zero. You'll get a discount code one two five zero in the checkout box when you pay for it. And in the Bedford Playhouse, I don't know what the tickets are, but they're going quick there. But I really want to invite, come to the off-Broadway debut. That is my... Um, that will be so, so fun. And um, I won't be able to see it there. So I'm just going to make sure that we get you out here to the Midwest. Yes, because we, Indiana. I used to live in Chicago. I love Indiana. Oh, my gosh. Well, there we'll you hold, go. We'll We're an hour and a half outside of Chicago here. Okay. And you're going to love Elkhart. And they would love you, too. This sounds absolutely great. Peter Fogel. Um, where can people just find you, if, you know, if they want to find you and get all again, all the information about where, where you're going to be uh, yes. doing your show. Go to till death do us part, the play.com till death do us part, the play.com it has all the tour dates, videos, uh, snippets. You'll see more about the show in the background till death do us part, the play.com. And this is going to be terrific. And you're going to hear Chaz Palminteri's voice as the voice of your conscience um, all throughout the entire show as you play 20 different characters. And I tell you, it just it's what the world needs now more than anything in the world is laughter, mirth, joy, fun. We need it desperately. And it indeed, I think, will save the planet. I'm so grateful that you came on the show today. Thank you so Thank much. You, Laura, let's keep in touch and get me, get me, get both of us, or at least me, till death do us part. I'll get you both. (laughs) Wonderful stuff. Peter Fogel, everybody. Till death do us part. You first is the show. And Peter Fogel, when you go to uh, check it out and Google him for wherever he's playing in Bedford and also in on off Broadway. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I love talking to people who are truly making a difference in the community. People who really, when they walk the talk and they do what so many of us probably think about doing, we wish we could make a difference um, on a daily basis in people's lives. Um, But this is an organization and a woman who is doing just that. I have the executive director of the wonderful First Light Mission in Goshen, Indiana, with us today. And they have their fundraiser coming up. And we want to hear all about it and really about the incredible work that uh, First Light Mission is doing in Goshen. Mindy, again, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So please tell us, give us an overview of First Light Missions. I know you do incredible work for homeless in crisis, but you take things a step further. It's not just your um, sort of an average shelter per se. You do a lot more uh, taking uh, taking extra steps to helping uh, people who are in crisis situations, if you would tell us. Yes, we are a very small work program shelter that serves single females and anyone with minor age children. So our guests can potentially be here for two years. They get reviewed every 30 days, but we house no more than 24 individuals. So they, we become part of their family as they become part of our family as well. We work on every aspect of their life, um, not just what led them to our door right now, but what their life has been like, whether it's mental illness or um, just bad financial management or medical issues, something like that. So we look at more than the problem that brought them there now. So, yeah. So what do they, how do they find you? First of all, do you work with area churches or how do you find these people? So we partner with area churches, but we also work with many other agencies as well. We work with hospitals. We um, work with the school system. So if there's kids that are homeless it can be an, an array of options on how they have found us. Two-on-one, um, maybe they're in a different shelter somewhere else, but really need to be in this area. This is where they're from. So the, that shelter will refer them. Shelters refer their pool to. So. so when you say a shelter, is this uh, like a place with many rooms in it? What kind of, a, of, a, of an actual dwelling do you have? So we are in an old school. We're in the old Merritt Riverdale Elementary School. And so um, two of the classrooms are family rooms. It's dorm style. There are cubicle walls separating them. And then we have a room for single females. The majority of who we serve um, are individuals with minor age children. So... Okay, so it's it's mostly uh, like a parent with their children. Yes, that seeks you out, and so they come to you. And what's the first thing that happens? You, do you just try to cover their basic needs in the very beginning? The first forty-eight hours is all about resting, kind of ca- getting their bearings and covering their basic needs, providing food, getting them, you know, showers, everything that they need. And just letting them relax for the first 48 hours. That's what we do. We focus on a roof over their head and food in their bellies, a nice, safe place. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But then, as you said, the work goes on from there. And unlike other places where it's, you you know, in a week or something, it's finished. 
you take them on for the long haul. Explain a little bit what that process is. How long um, is it individual for, for each of them? And do tell me the different uh, services and and what you offer there to them on a long-term basis. What What can they turn to you for? Okay, so we were completely full with um, 24 individuals in here. Nobody's working on the same thing. It is definitely very individualized um, based on their needs. So after those 48 hours, then they sit down um, with a caseworker and they go over their goals. And we look at all aspects of their life. So what they even want um, their life to look like, the way they handle stress, everything, we jobs, all of that. Those goals get reevaluated every 30 days. So every 30 days, they have to do a new goals and they get an assessment. They write a letter wanting an extension, and that gives them a chance to actually write out what they've accomplished and what they haven't accomplished out of their goals. And so they see where they've lacked or, you know, what they really need to work on. So um, our average is eight and a half months, but they can potentially be here for two years. Wow. But it's that is really, that is unique. Time. Yes, that's unique. I, I really have nev- not heard of that. And and throughout that entire time, even up to the two years, are these different, Do are they social workers? What kind of professionals are in there trying to help these people? So we have on staff um, caseworkers, um, as well as we also have outside agencies that have um, desks that they can come in and work with them too. So we have a mental health professional that comes in. We have social workers that work with them on parenting. We have life skills coordinators that come in that teaches them the daily life skills. So we also, on top of our staff, we utilize um, we have five other agencies that are coming in now. That's wonderful. And you have tw- up to 24 people. And so I'm sure there's a great need on so many different levels here, um, uh, financial needs. So you're having a fundraiser on November 15th. Tell us about the fundraiser, please. And tell us what you uh, like hope to do with the money. Where is it going and and what do you need? Okay, so our fundraiser is, like you said, November 15th, um, 6 p.m. at Bread and Chocolate. Tickets are on sale now. If you go to our um, Facebook page or it's under Eventbrite, you can purchase the tickets. It's $150 per person, or you can get an entire table. We do have some tables left. They are starting to go quickly. Um, It's $1,200 a table, and we are hoping to just raise enough. It keeps our programs running. Um, We've had a rough year with a lot of hotel nights as we were doing work in our new facility. And so it will go into keeping everything up and running and us being able to help the individuals like we do. I'm sure you have a lot of success stories. In fact, I know because I was there last year and I heard some of them speaking they they actually came up and spoke and talked about how their lives had changed since the day they walked into first light missions and um to where they had grown to at that time and it was so moving i had tears of just goosebumps thinking about how the different people had worked through with your help and guidance these difficult situations in their lives and how 
honored and and loved and cherished they felt and and how much they had a vision for their lives they had goals and i i think this is something that's unique you're not just providing shelter you're also providing a pathway for people in a myriad of different circumstances and i just think that that is a winning recipe for success we also don't charge our guests anything. Um, they're not charged to live in our shelter. They're not charged for any of the food. So um, we provide absolutely everything down to the diapers that they need for their children. So the whole idea is that they can just focus on their life and moving forward and not have to worry about those expenses so they mm-hmm. can be so self-sufficient when they leave here firstlightmission.org is the website you can go to get the tickets for the event on November 15th at Bread and Chocolate in Goshen, Indiana. Firstlightmission.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck and Thank sell so out much. all those tickets. Yes, if people want to donate, if they go to firstlightmission.org, do you have places there where they can either donate either goods or money? Absolutely. So there's a donate button. Um, you can also drop off um, goods at our door at any given time, um, which is 801 West Wilkinson Street. 801 West Wilkinson Street in Goshen, Indiana. First Light Mission. Thank you, Mindy Ginn. Thank you so much. And have a, a very successful fundraiser on the 15th. Thank you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Last weekend, I did something that I probably should have done a lot earlier, but it was taking a break for myself. I went to Chicago for the weekend with a friend, met a friend, and we did all this sort of self-care type of therapy, which included shopping, amazing food in restaurants, shows, museums, and a massage. And I have to tell you, I came back after three days and I felt like a different person. And I think it's interesting how sometimes just indulging ourselves, which maybe when we grew up, we thought, well, maybe we we shouldn't do that or we don't deserve it until we've accomplished this or that. I, I really am. It took me many years to figure out that taking care of oneself and taking a time out for yourself and, and self-care is actually it's a blessing. And it makes you feel better. And so I have a wonderful guest on today, Beth Stiller. She is a CEO, the CEO, the first female CEO of Massage Envy, national uh, wonderful store of of massage and self-care. I thank you so much for coming on today because I need somebody to make me feel okay that I did what I did over the weekend. (laughs) Laura, thank you for having me. And it sounds, I wish I could tagged along. It sounds like you've had a great weekend of recharging, which is important, right? It's important to take care of ourselves and put ourselves at the top of the list sometimes. Absolutely. I so agree. But I think according to what I'm learning from, you know, what you know and what Massage Envy has found out after so many years of of being in business, of taking care of people is that it, it's more than just it makes you feel good. It actually is therapeutic, to an extent. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you're so right. Um, 20 years ago when the, when the brand was started, um, the purpose really was to democratize massage, to make it not the ultra luxury pampering, um, indulgent type of service, but a therapeutic part of your health and wellness routine. And 20 years later and 200 million services later, 
uh, we think we've done a good job bringing people along on that journey. So massage, of course, can be a wonderful pampering experience, but generally in our locations, our franchisees and their therapists are delivering therapeutic massage to um, address pain, stress, tension, all the things that we carry with us every day and, and making sure that you're committed to taking care of that, not just once in a while, but on a regular, consistent basis is going to go a long way in in helping you, you know, helping your body operate better. And we've only got one of them, so we've got to take good care of it. I just so agree with that. And I, I often wonder why things like massage are not included in um, you know, what your insurance covers, for example, in, mm-hmm. ter- in terms of prevention, maybe some are, maybe some new plans at, at certain companies, you know, provide things yeah. like that because they see the importance of it. I, I certainly think that it's something that is preventative as well in terms of, I guess, I think the more that, that you do take the time to feel this deep tissue massage and touch and is it does physical touch have something to do also with the properties of healing in massage. It, yeah, it absolutely does. There's there's so many benefits to massage. So not only is it the therapeutic benefit of, you know, what we're doing for your muscles and your joints as part of that service, but there's also the idea, and it's quite rare today if you think about it, of taking an hour out of your day and a day out of your month or maybe more frequently and completely unplugging and focusing on yourself, right? How many, how many times in a week or in a month do you put your phone down for an hour, close your eyes and focus on yourself? And that's the, that's the other benefit of, of coming in for a massage treatment is uh, there's a, a mental well-being aspect to it as well. And of course, the power of touch uh, we know has all kinds of benefits in addition to uh, the therapeutic benefits of massage. Um, putting, taking care of our minds and our bodies at the top of the list is incredibly important. And that Massage Envy, we are so committed and passionate about that, um, making sure that we've got locations in everybody's neighborhood. With 1,100, we're, we're getting there. Um, and making sure that it's affordable and can fit into your lifestyle. So, you know, hours in those locations that make it easy to get in. Um, therapists to choose from so you can find the perfect therapist that helps customize um, a treatment that works for you, that un- they understand what it is you need is is so important. And so uh, my hope is that more and more people understand that taking better care of themselves proactively uh, helps them take better care of all the other things they have to do in their life, right? It's Absolutely. When you're on a plane and they tell you, put on your oxygen mask first before you put on the person beside you, that's because you can't take care of all the things around you unless you've taken care of yourself first. And and that's what we'd like to help people do. It's so very true, physically and emotionally. And Massage Envy, did you say that there are 1,100 uh, stores nationwide? There is. There are 1,100 clinics in 49 states. With a membership, you can use any one of those 1,100 locations. So whether you're traveling or Girls Weekend in Chicago, you can find a Massage Envy in any city that you're in and use your membership across the country. So that flexibility helps people stay on track. Resolution number one, Massage Envy um, every month membership. Got it. Thank you. Duly noted, Beth Stiller, CEO of Massage Envy. Take care of yourself, pamper yourself, and truly do something that's strictly for you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Lots of conversations these days about, well, 
climate change and what causes it and greenhouse gases and all these types of things that I feel like I know very little about. Um, but I'm always interested in learning about kind of what's happening and what's on the cutting edge and where do we think we're going, um, despite the fact that uh, obviously there is still such a great need uh, for fossil fuels in, in the in the country and in the world. Uh, but there are other things that are in the pipeline, so to speak, no pun intended, um, that are going to be some supposedly some good answers to uh, creating more effective lower greenhouse gas emissions. And we're going to learn about one of them today. It's called SAF, which is Sustainable Aviation Fuel. And my guest is Kevin O'Neill. He's a senior business leader of renewable fuels for Honeywell's UOP's Sustainable Technology Solutions business. And boy, you must be smart because I can't even barely say what your title is. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Laura. Really nice to meet you. Yeah, so tell us, um, SAF, okay, sustainable aviation fuel. When I think of aviation, I'm thinking of just regular commercial jets and, and also private jets and things like that. It currently, and then we get a lot in the news about how, you know, a lot of people are lecturing us on, you know, how to bring greenhouse gases down and, and all this type of thing, but they're flying around in their private jets. Why is this important right now? And what's going on with this particular facet of um, uh, renewable energy? Yeah, okay, sure. So, um, you know, the aviation field really contributes about 3% to total greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. So that's a relatively small number, but it's still significant when you think about the total uh, greenhouse gas, you know, what goes out. And that's because, you know, uh, aviation fuel, as you indicated, for jets um, basically comes from fossil fuels. It comes from crude oil. And right now, you know, if you look at it, that's, you know, you know, the, the amount of carbon that comes out is, is basically, uh, you know, something that's relatively easy to calculate. Um, when you look at um, abatement of how these industries can decarbonize, um, aviation is really one that sort of is, is a little bit head scratching because it's like, OK, with with automobiles, you can electrify with, you know, with um, with electric power. You can, you know, go to solar and wind. What can you do to aviation? And really, aviation is, you know, founded on the concept of, you know, really high energy density liquids that provide enough energy to be to, to to power a plane from one point to another you know over long distances with large uh, cargoes and with you know large number of passengers um is really challenging and how, you know how can that be decarbonized i mean really it, it's right now there's no real method to you know displace airplanes or go to electric planes or something like that so we you know with the with the plane fleets we have that that are using fuels um, that, you know, currently are produced by fossil sources, um, how can we put in a sustainable fuel that is basically renewable-based, so it's something that's organic, it's not something that we're pumping out of the ground, it's something that comes from whether it's a waste oil in Greece or some other organic material, um, such as ethanol is, 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 a, is the one that we're la- launching right now, but if you can convert those types of feedstocks into aviation fuel, then you can go a long way to decarbonizing and ultimately, you know, reducing the greenhouse gas input or uh, impact of aviation. And how far along are they in making this a reality? Or is it still in the kind of trial phase and and experimental phase. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, it's far, it's, it's absolutely um, gone past the experimental phase. You know, it's, it, it is a commercial reality right now. 
Uh, there is sustainable aviation fuel that's produced and that is put in airplanes every day. Um, it's really the, the real question, though, is how much of it is there and how much really demand does does society and, you know, whether it's governments, um, you know, people in general that want to see decarbonization, corporations that have targets um, to decarbonize, how much is really produced? And that's the challenge is how, you know, right now that, like I said, there's a, there, there is some produced, it's less than 1% of the total uh, jet fuel that's available or that's currently consumed is mm-hmm. actual sustainable aviation fuel. So how do we get to, you know, how do we get to numbers like 50% or even greater, you know, over a long haul, it's going to take adoption of technology that exists today. It exists. It's something that can be deployed today. It's just a matter of getting, getting the technologies that are, are available, you know, deployed and ultimately, um, you know, producing more quantities. Will, do you think this is something that will eventually take over the fossil fuels in, for, in terms of aviation? Or is that way, way down the road? It's, it's pretty far down the road to take it over. But it's certainly, you know, in the short run, you know, the U.S. is targeting to get to 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel by 2030. So that's a really good target. It puts, a, it puts an anchor in the ground and says, this is what we're trying to get to, we're trying to achieve. Europe seems has similar targets. Those are nominally in the 5 to 10% of the total demand range. So that's getting the jet pool instead of 100% fossil up to, yeah, like, like I said, in the 5 to 10% range. So um, how do we get to 40 or 50? It's going to require, um, you know, feedstocks that, you know, basically people haven't necessarily looked at uh, that are available, that are readily available. And that's, you know, where ethanol plays a big role and why ethanol to jet is such an interesting technology is that there is a large infrastructure around ethanol production in in the U.S. today for gasoline production. And right now that's where a lot of, you know, virtually all the ethanol that's produced goes into gasoline as Mm -hmm. a a fuel blend stock. Um, As the automotive industry, um, you know, electrifies and ultimately, you know, in its decarbonization, you know, basically gasoline demand will peak and then ultimately will start to decline. When that happens, there already is an infrastructure of ethanol production that you know ultimately is is available to um, to be transformed into uh, you know jet fuel or, or sustainable aviation fuel production, and that you know is going to you know help absolutely help accelerate the adoption of sustainable aviation fuel. That's amazing, and you know I, don't laugh, but I actually did a story on the morning news um, at, at the station, and it was about how. It, I mean, is this true where McDonald's and places like that were actually being looked at for um, their their leftovers of their French fry oil? Or was that a joke? I, I now I can't remember. It's 100 percent true. I mean, there is used cooking oils are among the waste oils that people do use um, to produce fuels today. That's that's done today. And actually, the, the cooking oils, while they need some treatment and it's it's not simple to, to convert it into something you would want to put in an airplane. Um, for sure, they are they are very actually attractive from their uh, greenhouse gas uh, emission standpoint. They're actually pretty pretty favorable fuels, you know. And and the question you might ask is like, well, would the airplane smell like a McDonald's or something if I put that in the <laughs> in, in the engine? And the answer is no. I mean, it's it's refined. It ultimately gets converted into the same thing that jet fuel that it, it, it would smell exactly the same way as jet fuel smells today. If you're in an airport, you can smell it. But when you're on the plane itself, you won't, you won't even notice it. It's the same material chemically from a molecule standpoint. It's basically the same material as what goes into planes today. 
Very interesting stuff. If people want to know a little more about it, is there a website they can go to or just to go to Honeywell and kind of look up uh, sustainable technology solutions for, yeah, you know, for sure. Honeywell on our website. Um, and, and, and actually in the uh, performance materials and technologies division is where we do a lot of the sustainability work. So I would probably direct people to our pmt.honeywell dot com and then under sustainability and that that's Understood. probably the best place to see all this stuff pmt.honeywell.com look under sustainability sustainability kevin o'neill this has been a fascinating conversation and probably prescient and we'll we'll see how it all plays out but thank you so much uh you know i'm hoping uh that uh, people are learning as i am as we go along here thanks so much for being on the way home great thank you very much laura you're listening to the way home we'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. So much fun today with Chaz Balmentieri and Peter Fogel and their respective one-man shows. Chaz is, of course, a Bronx tale. And Peter Fogel's funny new show also. You know, I cannot tell you what it feels. Well, you know already that laughing is the best medicine laughter is it just makes you feel good it uplifts your spirit and so that's what we try to do every show at the end of it we try to uplift your spirits we have a friend who is so good about finding good news stories out there and we bring him on every week his name is jim cleefield I call him J.D. or Jimmy Dean. Don't ask me why. But um, we've been doing this for a long time together, actually coming up on our third anniversary of The Way Home. And I'm so grateful to always have his funny and good stories here every week. Well, they're not always funny, but they're always uplifting. Jimmy Dean, what's going on out in the world of good news? Well, I'm going to tell you the story about a couple that uh, is from New Jersey, and they own a condo down in Virginia Beach, and it's a very heartwarming story, actually about somebody's life being saved. Uh, they go by the names Todd and Donna. They're both in their 50s. We don't know the last names, but they were taking a walk on Virginia Beach uh, just one early October morning to look at the sunrise. Nice romantic thing to do. Kind of warms your heart, right? Well, everything was going pretty well. Unfortunately, in the blink of an eye, Todd suddenly collapsed on the beach. Now, you can imagine Donna was very, very shocked and scared about the situation. She's screaming for help. God, save Todd. Is there anybody here that can help him? I mean, you never know when these things are going to happen, right? Well, as fate would have it, being on the beach, they had two surfers nearby. Now, I'm not talking two surfer dudes here. I'm talking about surfers who happen to be healthcare workers. Tyler Volpe is one, and Paul Roy is the other. They're both healthcare workers. One's a physician assistant. The other is a healthcare worker at a local hospital. Well, they quickly found out what happened when they heard the screams. They rushed right to his aid, and they uh, made sure they tried to resuscitate him to save his life. They were giving him compression, CPR, the whole thing to try to get his breath back. And they were doing this the whole time until the ambulance arrived. Meanwhile, Donna, who was really shaken by the whole situation, there was a woman nearby who was holding her hand just trying to keep her calm telling her everything is going to be all right and you can imagine the thoughts that are going through her head well i'm happy to say uh, the ambulance did eventually arrive after they did resuscitate him he was able to get his breath back they took him to the hospital for treatment now fast forward and the couple is wondering gee todd and paul who are these guys i mean we're so grateful that they saved this man's life my husband uh, who are they so they Put a message out on social media on their Facebook. Word got around pretty quickly, as you may know, with social media. And uh, they finally got in touch with these two via messaging and text, saying just how grateful they are. What an incredible job saving this man's life. And I remember Donna saying in this story, you know, God put you on this beach here because you were here to save our lives. Because if we had chosen to leave earlier to go back home to New Jersey... 
it would not be a happy ending. I mean, it would be a totally different place. Really, uh, the fact that these guys were here at the right place at the right time. I mean, things happen for a reason, and they saved this man's life. Oh, there's no coincidences, honestly. That is a miracle. Can you imagine? Surfers who just both happen to be healthcare workers. Are mm-hmm. you kidding? Yes. <laughs> Not kidding. You. Beautiful stuff there. What else do you have, Jimmy Dean? Well, I want to tell you the story about a doctor who, let's say, feels like a million bucks, both literally and figuratively. You ask why? Well, he got a million dollar surprise, you see. Uh, he's at the University of Michigan. About 10 years ago, Fernandi Okanlami, he was uh, once upon a time an All American track athlete. Well, he was at a, a July 4th pool party, and his dreams of becoming an orthopedist were shattered when he unfortunately uh, suffered a spinal cord injury and he's not able to walk again you figure oh, that's the end of the story right well not exactly he turned the whole thing around because he wanted to inspire uh, other athletes that uh, may have the same situation who might have spinal cord injuries and one day i don't know if you saw in good morning america but one of his fellow uh, athletes or students i guess uh Kalen, uh Kaden baxter is his name he's a wheelchair tennis athlete he surprised him with a million dollars for one of his programs that he runs at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. It basically is an adaptive sports and fitness program that gives these athletes, these physically challenged athletes, an opportunity to you know, live out their dreams maybe as an athlete or something else. And uh, it just he's just really grateful for doing it. And that's really just he just was so surprised by the whole thing. And, and when you look at these athletes, I mean, you see these Paralympians. We watch the games every four years for the Olympics. I mean, you see what they do. They're physically challenged, but I mean, they can go out and just achieve achieve anything they want. They can run the mile. They can do track and field, whatever it is. Or here's another athlete I remember. Remember Eric LeGrand of Rutgers University in New Jersey. I mean, he suffered a spinal cord injury, and now he's doing well for himself as an entrepreneur. He has his own coffee business. But the point is this, the fact that this doctor, you know, wanted to help other athletes. He, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He used his situation and just completely turned it around to help others with his kindness and generosity. I love it. I'm telling you. It's just those are the that's what makes the world go round because it's very easy to get caught up in all the bad news. But that just makes everybody realize there's so much more good happening than we than we really know. And so it's so important to highlight it whenever we can tell as many people as possible. Those are the stories that uh, keep the world shining brightly. So grateful for that. Thank you, Bob Small, my producer, who always is a shining light. Thanks for all you do. And Jimmy Dean, always with the good stories. Thank you. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed The Way Home. And I send you all the love in the world from The Way Home. We'll see you next time.